You can have disinformation without someone behind a keyboard pulling the, the levers. I mean, it's an, it's an AI bot that's designed to get you angry. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss and we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly on this episode. Missy and I are going to catch up and then we see smoke coming from the House of Representatives. We have a speaker, folks. And then later on the pod, Missy and I sat down with Good Faith Media's brand new senior editor, Craig Nash. And then at the conclusion of this pod, I'm going to tell you a little bit about two really meaningful moments for me personally this week, as I saw an incredible documentary by Ken Burns talking about the American Buffalo. And I finally got to see Killers of the Flower Moon. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good pod. Hello there, Missy. Hey, how are you? I'm doing quite well. And you? Well, I'm frustrated. <laughs> are you now? <laughs> Do you want to hear the most first world annoyance that probably I've ever in the history of our podcast and maybe our marriage? With everything going on in the world, I could use a distraction. Okay, so that's go right the thing. ahead. It's just, I do not mean to, yeah make light of no let's take a break for just a second but from everything going on you know me so um i think i do sometimes i know <laughs> and then stories like this pop up <laughs> you always say i'm happiest when what when you have something to gripe about okay so here we go Again. so you must be really happy today. i realize this is the most yeah, privileged first world problem so that's my disclaimer but it's just striking me funny so i Obviously, I'm on a campaign to get the hotels to put in re- real doors on on the bathrooms that actually lock. Like, that's just one thing. Well, I'm starting a new campaign. Okay. What is this one? This is going to be for restaurants. And I'm going to, like, preface this by saying, you and I are pretty much empty nesters, right? Our yeah, kids are going right. and flown. So, we are living the life, right? Sure. It gets to be 6 o'clock. We look at each other. We've been working all day. And like, what's for dinner? Mm -hmm. Nobody knows anymore. There's no meal planning happening. There's no grocery list ahead of time. So we are falling into that pattern that I swore we never would. (laughs) Where a lot of times we're going out. But we go out with friends. I mean, we really are. We, We married young, had kids young. We are living our best life. Sure. Right? Okay. So here's my gripe. Okay. Is that we go to a restaurant with friends, having uh-huh. a good time, yeah, right? Yeah, Meet yeah. up. Oh, yeah. I can, I can, yeah, we're having a great time. Dinner drinks. Okay. And the waitress or the waiter or the wait, these wait staff. The wait staff. Thank you. They approach your table. They welcome you there. They hand everybody a menu and they put one what on the table? Drink menu? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have. Six, eight people with you. You got to pass around the drink menu. Because, you know, we have that many friends, right? Yeah. That's not true. But, you know, if you're (laughs) with a group, they put one drink menu down, and then they come back 30 seconds later, and the first thing they want is what? Your drink order. Your drink order. Right. And it's like, well, we're still passing around this one (laughs) drink menu for, you know, 12 people because our group has grown. We have more friends now. And anyways, that's just... I. 
I just thought about that and I met a friend for dinner last night and it was the same kind of thing. And so I was telling her my frustration. So as soon as the the weight person came over, she's like, you know what? Can we have another drink menu? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I agree with you. That is exactly what plays out in 99% of the restaurants we go to. But I do have a follow-up question to this gripe of yours. Yes. I think I know what's coming. (laughs) You peruse the drink menu (laughs) and you read all the ingredients and you make comments about this sounds good. That sounds good. (laughs) And what do you end up ordering? 99% of the time. I know I'm a margarita girl. (laughs) I know. And the fact that here we are on this podcast recording for all the world to hear that I actually (laughs) drink in public I mean, from where we started 25 oh, years ago. Oh, clutch my pearls. Right, is, is really amazing. But that is like, I'm good. That is my new, um, I don't know, campaign is to give everyone a drink menu. Because even even if you're not drinking an alcoholic beverage, it's just the drink. Like, are you a Pepsi establishment or a Coca-Cola establishment? That is true. That needs to be I mean, like on the, the, the door as you walk in. <laughs> exactly. And so if you're, or if you've got a little kid with you, do you have apple juice or orange juice or milk or whatever? So it's just the general drink menu. Right. You need, if, if that's going to be a separate thing, then everyone needs to have one. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. So yes, that's my jumping off point <laughs> on to the next thing. All right. You got another thing to gripe about? Well, I mean, pseudo, but no, I'm just something to talk about. Okay. Um, so we finally have a speaker of the house. Speaking of wanting a drink. <laughs> exactly. And on it, I will admit right now, I don't even know who it is. What's the name of the person? Oh, golly. Um, you put me on the spot. It just happened. I don't even know. There were so, too many white guy names to, to remember. Yeah, I believe it's Mike Johnson. <laughs> oh, there you go. Case in point. <laughs> I don't even have my computer with me right now. I think it's Mike Johnson. <laughs> so over the last, what? month or so that we've been dealing with this, you know, no speaker of the house, no speaker of the house. And and it's just so frustrating because the majority party just can't get their, you know what, together right. and, and compromise and figure out a plan to go forward. Yeah. And I have to keep reminding myself and something, I made a connection today Yeah. that I was going to share with you. Okay. Go right ahead. So, you know how this season and you also know how it takes me 47 hours to tell a story. <laughs> it should yes. take like 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. So my apologies. So you know how this fall I've been super into college football, right? Yep. Been following everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I just remember early on in the season when I walked into the living room, our son was here and I, it was a game I wasn't invested in. So I was like, who are we rooting for? Uh-huh. And, and he says, what? Chaos. Chaos. That's We're right. Yeah, that's chaos. right. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I just love that. I thought, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that is exactly what college football has given me this fall. Mm-hmm. One, chaos. an escape, but two, chaos. There's yeah. been so many games that have been complete chaos at the end. And chaos so, is great for college football. Exactly. <laughs> but then we shouldn't elect people to the U.S. House of Representatives. Who also just root for chaos. Chaos, exactly. But yet there are too many now who that is exactly what they're rooting for. And that's exactly what they're causing is just chaos. Right. And they've been able to achieve that over the last few weeks. Uh, Matt Gates uh, makes the nomination to, um, to basically 
fire Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. Uh, he gets the votes. Uh, McCarthy is removed, and then the slew of candidates uh, come before the House, and one after the other fall uh, until today. Uh, and uh, the new Speaker of the House, um, who is he again? White guy first name, white guy last name. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably not appropriate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike Johnson. You know, Mike. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, Representative Mike Johnson. <laughs> so, that's right. Uh, but at any rate, so they finally elect this guy. They they fall on their sword, some of them. The Republicans fall in line. All of them vote for Mike Johnson. So here's the deal. Mike Johnson is an election denier. Yeah. So, okay. So just think about this for just a moment. I, I don't, I really don't want to. I, I have know, enough, but you need to. I have enough heavy stuff. Can you just let me be mad about the drink menus and like stay <laughs> well, in Well, you're going to want to drink after this. <laughs> so, so Mike Johnson is now the Speaker of the House. He is third, third in, in line, line to the president. So according to Mike Johnson and his rhetoric and votes over the last two years, over two years now, he believes the two individuals who are elected president and vice president of the United States of America are not legitimate. Following that reason, if he were to conclude, then he should be president of the United States. (laughs) Have you heard that not every restaurant gets every person at the table a drink menu? Have you heard this? (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. I, just, I don't know what to say about that. And and here's the thing is that you can sort of still laugh about that. There's plenty else that you can't laugh about. Right. Um that I I, I just again It is chaos and you know, unfortunately I think we're stuck in this chaos. Um Republican Party is still ruled by Donald Trump. Uh and you know, I was having a conversation with some folks this weekend that unfortunately it looks like he is headed straight to the nomination. He may even be heading straight to jail, but he may get the nomination while he's in jail. And here's the theological connection I want to make to this is that in 2016, 2020, all of the faith voters, which I think I I use air quotes when I say that they tried to, excuse me, they tried to paint Donald Trump as this new theological King David, mm-hmm. that he didn't have to be moral. He didn't have to make the best value-based decisions. He could he, still be a man after God's own heart. Yeah, right? he can just, but he just needs to be a leader, great leader, right, strong right. leader, you know, and right. stuff like that. Well, now they don't have that really. So now if he goes to jail, you know they're going to turn him into Paul. Well, of course. Because, you know, Paul wrote letters from prison. I can't. Hey, did you hear that restaurants only only give give one drink menu for a whole table of 15 people? (laughs) And you're going to need as many We just keep making new friends all evening long. (laughs) (laughs) That's hysterical. But yes, we do now have a speaker at the house. Believe it or not, as frustrating as it's been, that is good news because now we actually have an operating a government that needs to be passing legislation dealing with important critical issues that our country and the world faces. So hopefully those discussions can now 
re-engage and try to get something done. Yes, there is, I, I don't know if you've heard, there are a lot of other things going on in the world yeah. that are of importance. Yeah, and the prime, I mean, everything on everybody's mind right now is what's going on in the Middle East. And to be honest with you, Missy, I don't really know what to say about that at this time. Um, we've been following at Good Faith Media for two weeks now. We've had incredible columns from a variety of perspectives. We've had Palestinians write. We've had Jewish rabbis write for us. We've had Christians, ethicists, theologians. All of them have been excellent articles. But we're getting to a point in this crisis where the death and destruction is overwhelming. It's really hard to even grapple with. It's hard to see on the screen. It's hard to hear about. And I, much like I've been pretty pretty honest you know, on this podcast mm. about the lessons I'm learning at my middle age, very much middle age self, that I'm embarrassed to just now be learning. And the same thing is happening with this situation. And I'm learning a lot of, I feel like, history about yeah. that region and about the Middle East that I'm embarrassed to not have understood. I feel like I have a little bit of a better understanding mm-hmm. now. And I just, and again, and I, I, I know I refer to this in jest, but I feel like this is so true. You know, the, the quote I pull from Moira Rose when she says, sometimes the eye won't allow the brain to see things at first. Mm. And I feel like that, that really is some sort of a proverb right now is like really seeing and really making sure that going forward and that in life that your eyes allow your brain and your heart to see what needs to be seen so that we can do better and not not enable the creation of something that leads to catastrophe. Yeah. And so that's that's really all I have to say about that. I'm I'm learning, I'm grieving, I'm heartbroken mm-hmm. and am hoping for some sort of peaceful resolution. Yeah. I just don't know how yeah. How that happens? I, from, I don't know how this, it gets there. from this point to that point that we hope it gets there, um, it is very hard to see a path towards peace. But uh, we will continue to pray, hope, and uh, and hopefully see something emerge uh, soon because the death and destruction is horrible right now, and it's just devastating. And like I said a few weeks ago, and you reminded me of it last week, sometimes the only prayer we can have are our tears, and that's what I offer. This week, so. and it's as hard as it is to see the images on television, mm-hmm. you know, online. We we have to see them. We have to face the reality yeah. of of these systems, like mm-hmm. you and I talked about earlier, that have been put in place, are leading to this real life death, destruction, pain, heartache, mm-hmm. devastation for actual human beings. Yeah. And not only Middle East, still got Ukraine going on. We've got hurricanes and typhoons swirling out in the Atlantic and Pacific. Got a lot of things going on here economically in the country. So I'm glad that the United States government at least has all of its functioning bodies in place uh, to begin to engage these issues. But speaking of these issues, 
uh, we've got a new senior editor who's going to be responsible for it. Exactly. We've <laughs> for, got the new guy who we're like, great, you get to tackle. You get to all tackle these all these things. Uh, or at least recruit great or writers. Better, better yet, we have a new email address. Send your complaints to Craig at goodfaithmedia.org. That's right. Uh, so, but we sat down with Craig, our new senior editor at Good Faith Media this week. And, uh, He's just really great. Yeah, we're very excited about his tenure beginning and all of the great things that will come from him. Yeah. So if you want to know a little bit more about Craig Nash, our new senior editor, and what he has in store for our digital and print platforms, you're really going to enjoy the next few minutes as Missy and I sit down with him. Absolutely. You know, Missy, I really enjoy recording this podcast with you each and every week. Do you? Well, (laughs) uh, but this is not the only thing we do at Good Faith Media. It's not. We have so many offerings for you. We have a plethora of podcasts, videos, news and opinion articles, Bible studies, books, and much, much more. Find us at goodfaithmedia.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a very special guest with us. Craig Nash is the new senior editor for Good Faith Media. Before joining GFM, Craig was the communications director for the Baylor Collaborative for Hunger and Poverty at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. He is a graduate of East Texas Baptist University and Baylor's George W. Truett Theological Seminary. Craig grew up in Chandler, Texas, and has lived in Waco since 2000. He enjoys writing roots in Americana music and pretending to be a runner. Craig, welcome to Good Faith Weekly, and welcome to Good Faith Media. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm really excited to be with you. So, Craig, I'm really sorry that whole Speaker of the House thing didn't work out for you. But now <laughs> you instead decided to come on board with Good Faith Media. So congrats on the consolation prize of this job. Well, I appreciate that. And at the rate that uh, that has gone, who knows, maybe next week. (laughs) That's exactly right. They may be needing another one. (laughs) Right. We'll see how this first week goes with Good Faith Media and with the Speaker of the House. (laughs) That's right. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, Craig, we've got another Texan joining the team, which makes this Okie a little bit nervous. So I've got to ask out of the gate, on a scale from zero to J.R. Ewing, how Texan are you? Well, I um, <laughs> he's speechless. And if you're not sure yeah. how J- who J.R. Ewing is, then then we you've I, answered the yeah, question. You have to give your Texas card back. <laughs> I am very certain who J.R. Ewing is. <laughs> um, my mom was was a Dallas aficionado. Uh, we would drive by South Fork Ranch uh, occasionally from time to time, just just to gawk and imagine what was going on there. You know. That if ticker's you ask going me up one, as he's talking, I know. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just rattling things that off. Scale's right? going right, up. Right, as right. You're yeah, yeah. So there's no way I can't say ten now that I. Just <laughs> uh, but I, I will say on, you know, depending on what what day you ask me, it's going to either be a ten or a zero. It is rarely in between, and most of that will be dependent on how much I'm on Twitter, how much I'm watching the news <laughs> uh, of, of what goes on in Austin, um, or how much I am uh, binging things like Friday Night Lights. And, and, and oh, Texas Nelson. forever. Texas forever. <laughs> Willie Nelson, Matthew McConaughey. So, you know, we we are the home to Ted Cruz and Molly Ivins. So... 
there's your zero and your 10 right there. Okay. All so right, but, all right, but, all right. But more importantly, are you a team Landry or team Johnson? Oh. Uh, <laughs> you had to think for a minute, didn't you? There's well, a right and a wrong was, answer here. Well, when you said Landry, I was thinking Friday Night Lights. Oh, um, okay, okay. Now we're talking Tom Landry character. and Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, so I was in high school during the, the last uh, Super Bowl championships. I was a child, though, during the Tom Landry period when it had not gone quite as well as it had before I was born. I would say I'm Team Johnson. but <gasps> Wow. Man, that Landry, goes against it, Texas lore. <laughs> that is true. I, I don't know that I've heard those being pitted against each other. Although in the midst of the change, again, I, I, I'm going to start rapidly talking about the Dallas Cowboys now. <laughs> I, I remember where I was when Jimmy Johnson was hired. I was actually with a friend of mine in Moore, Oklahoma. Really? Wow. Um, yeah. He had just moved up there and, and we were at a bowling alley and we looked up and saw the, the news that Landry had been fired and uh, Johnson had been hired. And that like, period of time was a dark period for Dallas Cowboy fans. Um, I haven't said that I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, but I guess you can probably. <laughs> well, that's I mean, you're from Texas. That's irrelevant to the question. <laughs> that's just understood, answer. right? <laughs> but that is so funny that you said that because now we're talking about chasing rabbits. Yeah. I'm thinking, I remember where I was when I heard that Tom Landry was fired. And I remember going to Sunday school that week and having a huge argument in the middle school Sunday school department about this and, and the rightness and wrongness of it. I really remember similar conversations in my Sunday school. I cannot believe you're... Jeez. <laughs> I'm, I mean, for it, everybody who it, lives outside of Texas, I want to apologize right now. We're sorry. <laughs> we're just going to digress so it, for a while. So it was a dark week that that happened. It, mm -hmm. was, it felt like a dark year because Jimmy Johnson's first season was not quite as good, but then uh, what was it? Ninety two when we when we won that first Super Bowl, uh, we we were okay with everything after that. <laughs> yeah. We were Tom who? <laughs> oh no, not in my family, Greg. <laughs> yeah, ever. I mean it was you know, Davy Crockett. It was Sam Bowie and Sam uh, Bowie. Who else was who was at the Alamo? Good grief. You're expecting me to know my Texas Yeah, but I'm pretty history. certain Tom Landry was out to Alamo as he far as Texas lore is concerned. Anywho. We okay, on to the next thing. Sure. So, so Craig, just to get to know you a little bit better, um, oftentimes on the pod, one of, one of my favorite things to do is to give Mitch a quiz. And whenever there's a topic that comes up, I like to Google fun facts about whatever it is. So... If I'm giving Mitch a quiz about Craig Nash and I Google fun facts, <laughs> what would come right. up that I would need to ask him about? Tell us some fun facts, some tidbits, some interesting things about you. Okay. I'm glad this is where that went because I thought you were about <laughs> to give me a quiz. And my anxiety was like, shoot oh, through that's that. next. <laughs> okay. uh, my anxiety is usually at a level 10 most of the time, yeah. but it just went up. Yeah. Yeah. Went she up. doesn't give our guests. She's very kind to our guests. She gives me the quizzes. No, he's a coworker now. He will get a few oh, okay. questions in a minute, but I want to know like, what would you, what would be on a quiz about Craig Nash? That fun fact. Yeah, well, Mitch and I have spent a couple of days with each other the past couple of days, so I, and I feel like we did a lot of talking. He he, he might do fairly well with with that quiz. Um, I think you would find out that I already I love the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you would find out probably something about the country of Estonia, which oh. I spend a lot of time 
uh, in, uh, you would learn something about, and you mentioned it in my uh, introduction, my love for music, particularly my love for uh, Americana, roots music. I'm a huge Jason Isbell fan. This year in uh, Colorado at Red Rocks, I got to see him. It was my 13th Jason Isbell in the Isbell in the 400 unit show. You would find that I am uh, very connected to my church here in Waco, Texas, University Baptist Church, and that that has been a, a big source of meaning and hope and joy in my life for the last 23 years. Also, sadness and struggle mm-hmm. uh, as anyone who's been part of a church community. Those are a few of those things. Those are great. So, I mean, Estonia, tell us about that. That's pretty you know, unique. Uh, yeah, very unique, very uh, remote, obscure place on the planet. Um, so, uh, yeah, in 1996, I had an opportunity as a college student to serve as a uh, summer missionary, which is often a uh, – a point of information when I talk about Estonia that I that I try to hide from folks, uh, <laughs> because uh, even though that was a, a, a meaningful time, my my understanding of of what that means has definitely been transformed over the years. But in in spite of those uh, dubious reasons for for going there, I fell in love with the place immediately. I was a part of a team and we, we traveled around the country, but I really fell in love with this one city in Southern Estonia, Tartu, which is the second city of, of the country. It's kind of the cult- cultural capital. It's where the, the historic university is. It's where all the artists and writers kind of live. And I spent most of that summer just walking around the town. And uh, I'm a huge, I love just wandering around neighborhoods where, wherever I am try to get away from the the touristy spots. And uh, yeah, so that was such a meaningful part of my life. It kind of re- remained in the background of my mind and my heart for many years as I uh, kind of went through adulthood. In 2015, I had an opportunity to really go anywhere in the world that I wanted to. And I decided to go back to Tartu for a summer and uh, got to just kind of write and rest and had a sabbatical there. Uh, fell in love with it again, returned again in 2018. The country was celebrating its uh, uh, centennial celebration. It was the 100-year anniversary of the first time they gained independence. Uh, in that kind of neighborhood of the world, there are many independence days yeah. uh, <laughs> over the last 100 years. And in 1996, I discovered a church I loved there. In 2018, I discovered a bar that I loved there. <laughs> I feel like this is the modern day testimony. Yeah, we all it have. really is. <laughs> it, I, I often tell this that it feels like a, a reverse testimony in, in yeah. some ways. Or is it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And discovered this bar in the same neighborhood that I just kind of walked around in. It's this old historic neighborhood. It's called the Karlova neighborhood of Tartu. And the houses are old. They were. Uh, pre-Soviet houses. So a lot of the Soviet architecture and former Soviet countries are these five-story, just, uh, you know, stucco facade, just plain, uh, you know, basically warehouses of Mm -hmm. apartments for folks. But this is an old pre-war neighborhood. uh, And uh, it's very international city now. Uh, Tartu University about 10 years ago started offering 
a lot of their coursework in English. And so this bar that I discovered is kind of the gathering place for professors and international students and, and neighbors. So, you know, you walk in and on any given night, there's there are Estonians and Russians and Italians and folks from Malta. There's a professor from Ireland there, and it really is just the world kind of gathers in this one place. And it's loud and crowded and messy, and it's just uh, beautiful. And so I, I try to go back <laughs> at that. least once a year, and um, we could go on for hours and hours and hours talking about that. So well, I will stop. Well, there. I am guessing that our readers can expect maybe one of the editions of Nurturing Faith uh, Journal to be dedicated to Estonia after uh, a two-week adventure uh, there. So Perhaps um, uh, an Estonia experience is in the works. Ah, there you go. Ah. Love that. Love that. So, All right. So you're on day three. When this drops, it will be day five. So one of the questions that we have for you, Craig, is why in the world did you want to join this circus known as Good Faith Media? Yeah. Long, so, pause. <laughs> long, long pause. Long, long pause. I want to give a thoughtful answer. Um, I could talk forever. Uh, when this opportunity came up, I saw it. I had actually a friend send it to me and uh, I was familiar with Good Faith Media. I had read, read much of uh, the content. And as I kind of went through the process, you know, the, the easiest, um, most simple answer I can give is it just feels like a good fit. Mm -hmm. uh, many of my passions include uh, culture, faith, politics, music, and writing about all of those things and really reflecting on all of those things and how they uh, intersect with each other, how they push up against each other often. And uh, yeah, ju just the thought of joining a team that, that this is our world is thinking about um, demystifying all of those subjects mm -hmm. for folks and, ha and, and, both having and sparking conversations just was so difficult to turn down. Yeah, and the intersection of all those topics, too, that you just mentioned, that's just what really amazes me and the job that we do at Good Faith Media is just to be able to talk. One is to meet some just remarkable people and have these incredible experiences and then be able to communicate that and tell those stories is just really remarkable. So we are delighted that you're with us. So, Craig, you're going to have quite um, a responsibility here at GFM being the editor of both digital and print content. So talk to us a little bit about why you're excited to work with both of those. And more importantly, where do you stand on the Oxford comedy? Oh, jeez, You're just going to hit him with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll start with that. Uh, is, I'll start with the Oxford comma. Um, it is it is hard for me to to shed that uh, because I feel like certain clauses need to be separate from other clauses, and there need needs to be a uh, when the last two things are pushed together. There's always the okay. Are you talking about those thing two things together, or is that final thing staying on its own? I I've heard the other arguments, um, but I am a fan of it. But I am also uh, looking forward to the the dialogue regarding. <laughs> I am a, I'm a huge, um, I will die on that hill of the Oxford comma, but 
I get overruled here at GFM. <laughs> it's not you. It's AP. You get overruled AP, at yeah, AP. Yeah. Overruled and it. also the double space after a period. <laughs> so. <laughs> that has been a difficult one for me as well. She, so she also uses a typewriter. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have seen, you know, the meme about, hey, hey, boomers and Gen Xers, you can let go of it now. You're not on. <laughs> writers anymore. Uh, I do remember my, my typing class in high school. I don't know if they teach typing anymore or if you're just kind of given a lesson at birth these days, Uh, but Uh, regarding journal and print, I'll tell you the thing that excites me about the journal first. I am a fan of uh, longer form content that, that writers have a chance to kind of stew on for a while there's an opportunity for several news cycles to have passed before writing a piece on uh, because understanding comes with time and with leaning into and living into a certain subject. Uh, Many of the journal articles are from folks who have leaned into and lived into a certain subject for decades, not just weeks of of a news story. So that's what excites me most about that is, is the wisdom that comes from, uh, the slower process of writing and curating content for a journal. As far as the online digital content, I am excited about interacting with just a wide range of of writers and and readers about things that are pressing. And so I think, you know, both of those are kind of, you know, the yin and yang to each other that I really enjoy both of those. I'm often on my phone, even before this, you mentioned we have a new speaker. Who knows if that's, that'll be the case on Friday. <laughs> I have been, I have, I've been following that news and had disconnected from the news for an hour before mm-hmm. that happened. And so y'all, y'all broke that news to me. So hey. all that to say, I, I love the, the rapid fire news cycle that we're in, but I also love to step back from that and uh, be a little slower in my reading. So along those same lines, let's Talk to us about some of the topics you might be looking forward to covering and also what topics might make you a little bit twitchy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are there any? Maybe there's no. Yeah. Well, y'all have already given voice to this in in the past previous um, episodes, but the the Middle East conflict is is the the latter of those. you know, we use the word charged when we talk about that, and I think that's a good word, but I think another word is that, you know, every everyone is invested in that in that subject. And so to to cover an issue that matters so much, not just on a on an intellectual level, but on a on an actual day-to-day level to so many people in the world, um I wouldn't say I'm worried about that, but I but I am uh, walking into that with uh, my eyes wide open a little mm-hmm. more, uh, and with a little more um, uh, feeling of sacred duty in in talking about those things. I love writing about politics. I often get weary of of how much the same story has kind of come and gone over the last. Uh, let's say seven years or so, uh, mm-hmm. and ready to to kind of move beyond that story. But until we move, actually move beyond that story, we have to continue talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm speaking of Christian nationalism, which GFM is 
um, at the forefront of of educating and demystifying that and, and all sorts of issues around um, marginalized people being put further pushed to the margins by our politics. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm very excited about uh, possibly exploring ideas of music writing and reviews of movies and books. Uh, those things really, I just love. And so, yeah, those are a few of those things. Yeah, and you articulate it very well. One of the things that I really have enjoyed working at Good Faith Media, previously at ethicsdaily.com, is the acknowledgement of the depth and complexity of all of these issues, the Middle East crisis being probably the most prominent. Um, but the thing I appreciate about the organizations that we are uh, working for, Good Faith Media in particular, is the acknowledgement of that complexity and the effort that we go to in providing people platforms to be able to vocalize their thoughts and analysis from their perspective. And it could be two different perspectives. And as long as everyone is able to acknowledge each other's humanity and respect that humanity and you know, speak thoughtfully and productively on these issues. Good Faith Media has always been open to you know having that conversation and giving people platform to discuss those issues. And so, I'm really looking forward to to seeing your management of those and to be able to relate to different writers, both in print and uh, in digital format. And I think it's really, really going to be an exciting start. Uh, in this era as you take the helm of senior editor at Good Faith Media. So uh, it, it's, it can get dicey every now and again, but it's also very, very interesting. Well, it does get the most dicey when you leave a peanut butter spoon in the kitchen sink <laughs> in the break room. That is a conflict that uh, we, there's two different perspectives. That, that's a big conflict here at Good Faith Media. Craig, would you like to solve that problem for us? <laughs> I actually have a spoon in my sink right now. That has <laughs> See, he's pro, he's pro spoon, pro peanut butter. You are I, kidding. I apologize for, for the lack of workplace etiquette there. <laughs> Man, I'm going to have to write you up right out of the gate. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, well, we talked a little bit about some of the issues, Craig, but one of the things that I have gleaned working for Good Faith Media and I'm always reminded about it when we engage our readers, our listeners, our viewers, but also our authors and uh, our, our guests, is the importance of the work this organization does. Can you talk about what that means to you, stepping in this role as senior editor? Why Good Faith Media at this moment, at this time, why is it important? I alluded to news stories over the past seven years that uh, really have been brewing for for decades, but that have just kind of kind of spilled over. And one thing I remember from after the 2016 election, and in the and really every time since, is hearing people write on social media and say, "I just don't know who to believe anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to believe anymore." And certainly that is going to be a growing concern with, with AI, but, but it's been a concern since uh, the, you know, social media bots have started to kind of create things. You know, there's this idea in fighting racism that, that our systems 
can exist without, uh, you can have racism without racists right. pulling the levers. I think a similar thing about disinformation, mm-hmm. we are, we're in a world where you can have disinformation without someone behind a keyboard pulling the, the levers. I mean, it's an, it's an AI bot that's designed to get you angry based on your twi- Twitter feed or, you know, these, these websites that, that basically just pump out content by, by the minute that's designed to get people angry. The thing that excites me about good faith media in light of that is, you know, we are not a New York times or a CNN. We don't have millions uh, of uh, subscribers and viewers. Of course we will in two weeks after I I love that optimism. Right, right. But but as of now, we have a, a sizable collection of people who walk and run in similar circles, uh, expanding circles, I believe, as, as we're learning, you know, um, GFM has its root, roots in, in Baptist life, but as we lean into our um, inclusive Christian lens, our circle just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have... Uh, relationships with people who who trust us. And that excites me to be able to be a trusted voice and to be a gathering place for a collection of trusted voices. W- one of the things I've been doing today is looking through old articles from the first uh, three years of G- GFM mm-hmm. and seeing names that I know, names that I did not know before I had read their pieces on Good Faith Media. Mm-hmm. And all of them are names that I that I trust to to teach me something, and right. so that really excites me to just be a part of a movement uh, that um, has multiple platforms, multiple approaches to to, to, to weighted and fraught subjects, uh, but that all can be trusted to tell the truth as they understand it. Well, Craig, we are very excited that you have joined the Good Faith Media team. We are delighted that uh, you're on on the field now and already rolling your sleeves up and getting to work. We've got a lot of people. Yeah, I think what, we're up to about 12 listeners now, including my mom and dad. Including your mom and dad, yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, for those <laughs> other 10 listeners uh, who want to write for us, how can they get a hold of you uh, and submit a uh, an idea for a column? Yes, uh, Craig at goodfaithmedia.org. Please uh, send all your ideas to me um, yesterday. Because, <laughs> uh, I am I'm looking at calendar and, and kind of planning through ideas. I've I already started to look at lectionary stuff for, for Advent that I'm really excited about. Um, but yes, Craig at goodfaithmedia.org. Please send them my way. Well, perfect. Well, Craig, again, we are delighted that you're on the team now. But uh, before we let you go and out of this interview to get back to work, Missy's got one last question for you. So, Craig, as you know, our tagline here at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. So in light of our conversation today and the new work that you're doing, what is your more to tell? Wow, that's such a great question. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> she just comes up with it. I just think of it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little more cheating because I, I knew you would ask that question because I listened to the podcast. Um, and I'm gonna dovetail on your guest last week, and I didn't cheat enough to where I wrote his name down already. Uh, the um, Philip Arnold. Philip Arnold, right? At the end, at the end, 
uh, he uh, this question. He said this, and I thought, man, he kind of stole what <laughs> stole what mine would would be. Yeah. Uh, and he said these words: "Dig deep where you are." Mm. Uh, of course, uh, he was writing in reference to how, or he was speaking in reference to how, um, how indigenous America is, and how we need to dig deep into the history. Uh, the angle I hear that from as well that, that I lean into is I, my resume in my life has been a patchwork of a lot of different things. However, I've also, I've also stayed um, with a church, with a town, with ideas, with friends uh, for a really long time. And I, I'm a huge fan of, you know, I love explorers. I love people who map out the oceans and who, you know, go out into space to learn different things. But I'm a big believer that you can go out into space where you are mm-hmm. and, and that there's so many different things to be learned uh, where you are. One of my favorite writers is Sarah Miles, who is a who is a priest, um, Episcopal priest. She wrote uh, the book Take This Bread about her experience with c- communion. Her history was also, also had a patchwork resume. Uh, she was a she had been in the, the food industry. She'd been an organizer. She'd been a journalist for a long time before she became a priest. Uh, and she said that in her roles as a uh, journalist and as an organizer, uh, she'd learned that it's possible to fall in love. I have this quote here. Um, I had it pulled up already. It's going to sound like I, I have it memorized. <laughs> but I, uh, she'd learned that it's possible to fall in love with the revolution, then doubt it fight with it, lose faith in it, and return with humor and a deeper, lasting love. And then she said she'd have to learn the same thing with church when she was much older, and it would be no easier. And that's kind of, that kind of speaks to my, my worldview, um, that I keep returning and try to develop a newer, lasting love for the things that I'm returning to. Wow. What a great quote. Thank you. Well, Craig, thanks so much for your time this week. Uh, We know that you've got all kinds of things to get back to, but thanks for being a guest this week on Good Faith Weekly. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Hey, Mitch. What? So now that he's out of the room, we can talk about him, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, that's what you do in the break room, right? <laughs> that's right. I mean, when, he, he left. And, uh, whatever coworker leaves the room, you're like, now we got to like talk about him. Okay. That's right. Yeah, sure. So we what, can talk to him. <laughs> what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the new guy? What do I, I, you know, I kind of like him. I spent a couple of days with him and Johnny Pierce. Okay. You do not know how to office gossip. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it goes. I don't know. What do I say? <laughs> <laughs> One, I'm just not sure about his Texas. He did not. His, Texas. his hair was not near big enough. There was no mullet happening. I'm just not. He did not sure. have a mom on his uh, shirt. There was no one. homecoming mom to be seen on the wall in the background. I don't know. I, I, you know, I only saw him on Zoom. I don't know if he had cowboy boots on. Yeah, yeah. But they see the hair joke is funny because right, and I'm not gonna don't give the punchline. Just people are gonna have to go look him up. So. <laughs> Wow. That's more how you office gossip, Mitch. Okay. I've got to get better at this, obviously. (laughs) Greg, we really are excited. We we love you lots. Yeah. Take it all in good fun. Yeah. Like I said, I got to spend a couple of days with him and Johnny Pierce in Atlanta this week and just had a great time with them. Uh, Laughs and just a a lot of good uh, 
conversation took place, but just really hearing Johnny talk about the past and the incredible legacy of nurturing faith and Baptist today, and then listening to Craig and all of his ideas and his dreams and hopes for not only the print media, but also digital media. It's just, it's an exciting time. We obviously are always heartbroken when uh, one of our colleagues retires or leaves to take another employment, uh, but we're really excited that Craig's with us. Yeah, I'm excited as well. I think he's he's going to do a great job, and I think I, I don't think Johnny's really going anywhere though, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's no. still going to be available to tell a story or two. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you've ever met, he'll him. be our wise sage. That's right, <laughs> the Yoda of Good Faith Media. We'll still call on him, so we are very excited and, and hope you enjoyed our conversation. And maybe we'll be able to have Craig pop in from time to time. And, oh yeah, that's great. And, yeah. and tell a story or two. Yeah, so that's great. So not only do we have Craig starting this week, but you've got some exciting things in the works as well. Yeah. Well, it's really been a, a big week for me personally. And I hate to get on this soapbox, but I'm going to get on this soapbox that really is a uh, an indigenous you know, drum. But okay, wait. <laughs> I need to say this first of all. The rule of the podcast is I'm allowed to come with content you don't know about yet. <laughs> the reverse is not true. So I, well, once I, I literally say this, have you, no idea what you're about to say. Once I say it, you're going to know what I'm talking about because we've been talking about it all week. Okay. So Ken Burns comes out with a brand new documentary last week. And it's about the American Buffalo. And it's a two-part series. You can find it on PBS. Um, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it. People have really, you know, talked about it because it uh, burns parallels the plight of the American buffalo with the indigenous tribes of North America. And so, on the plane ride out to Atlanta to visit with Craig and uh, with Johnny, and then on the way back, I got to watch the documentary. And Missy, it is astounding. Good. And really, Burns does just an incredible job paralleling those two narratives and interweaving those two narratives. Mm -hmm. And I just highly, highly recommend it. I was so bothered and inspired by the documentary. I dedicated my entire uh, column this week at goodfaithmedia.org to this uh, documentary. Uh, you can go check it out. In fact, I blew through the 800 words that I was allotted and ended up somewhere around 12 to 1400 words. Thanks Darlette for showing some grace on that. One. Oopsie. Uh, but it really is outstanding. And then we got to see a movie this week that I have been looking forward to is probably the wrong terminology, but yeah. have been anticipating since the day I read the book. Yeah. And that is Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. That was powerful. And I just can't tell you how powerful that is. I mean, not only as an indigenous person, but as an indigenous person living in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And just something really touching to me. And I don't want to, you just need to go see the movie. Don't well, drink it. Wait. Don't drink any Cokes or anything like that before. Because no, it's, it's three, three and a half hours. hours. No, no, wait, hang on. Read the book. Yeah, I, read the book. I do encourage everyone to read the book. It's phenomenal. Go to Google, print you off a little character cheat sheet, which they have because mm -hmm. there's a lot of characters involved. You'll need to refer back to for a little bit until you can, you know, get the hang of it, but um, read the book, then go see the movie. Yeah. But what really got me was the story is about the Osage here in eastern Oklahoma, 
but more specifically, it's about four sisters walking around with their blankets. It just took me back. And I can remember Honey and Ruby and Okima and um, Joe, all of these strong women that I grew up around and on the indigenous side of my family with those blankets on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I didn't get to meet any of those women except for Okima, but I do remember that. Yeah. And, and it I just, thought the same thing. It was like their story, you know, could have been. And in some in instances, some ways was it was, yeah. The story of, of, of my ancestors and my family. So it's just, it's so powerful. It makes you angry, makes you sad, makes you question <laughs> if there's <laughs> any good That's all we humanity. do anymore. <laughs> we just question everything, right? That's right. Uh, it, it's, it, it's just like anything else. As difficult as it is to see and process, it's so important that these stories are being told and that mm-hmm. artists, writers, directors are really seeking out these types of, of stories to share and to, to make into beautiful art mm-hmm. to tell the world. Yeah. These are things that happen. And so I'm, I'm so glad that, that there's more and more of that happening on, on the big screen, especially mm-hmm. it, it is important. So, and, and, and I know you'll be writing about yeah, it. Absolutely. Be writing about it. In fact, my article's going to, uh, for the journal, uh, that will be the January, February in the issue. I'll be writing about this specifically, but just want to make one more note. Uh, speaking about the par- or t- I talked about the parallel between the American buffalo and the indigenous people of North Americas. What David Gann does in the book and then Martin Scorsese continues in the movie is the parallel of what's happening in Oklahoma. With During this period of time, you had the killings of these Osage in Osage County or in, uh, you know, on, on the res- Osage oh, Reservation. Territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indian Territory, it happened simultaneously with the 1921 race massacre in Tulsa. In Tulsa. Yeah, they did. There was a, a moment where they did kind of interweave that into the story. It was really powerful to connect that timeline. So you just you think about what was happening to indigenous communities and African-American communities, and it just, just breaks your heart. It does. And then I go down to like a deep hole when – when we see these and you're so, like I just said a moment ago, you're so glad when these stories are coming to light and then I, I get kind of depressed thinking, well, how many others haven't been told and how many nameless, faceless folks Mm -hmm. deserve to be honored and recognized and stories be told. So we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep telling telling stories. Depressing as it is. Give, we'll give Craig all the assignments. That's right. (laughs) So I just got one thing left to say at the end of this episode. Uh Oh, waiter. We need, we another, need another drink, drink menu. menu. <laughs> that's gonna be that's just gonna be the motto from now on. I need another drink menu. <laughs> uh, we hope uh, everybody has a great weekend, and uh, Missy and I will be back next week. And until then, keep living good faith. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org.